0: very disappointing last two minutes of the game last night a chance to break but I don't need to the moment but speaking of the Euros it's great they started they started on Friday, and this is the European Championships so football if you're not familiar with the word I'm saying but they started with France against Romania uh, and that match was won by stunning 3 here by the players and players the there uh, but if you weren't aware of that. that game happened in a stadium called the Stade de France. And why is it interesting? it's interesting is because the backdrop to the whole game was that back in the country, you may remember last year, the Stade de France was, along with a number of other uh, venues, um, the location for a terrible terrorist attack on Paris where bombers struck, London struck, and some 130 people lost their lives in Paris. You'll remember that? It. It's one of those banks where we will just all remember where we were when we heard 130 killed. It. The state of France involved. Just, you live in France, but you get these news up and you just hit headlines I mean, You see what the headlines today, but that's coming, the headlines coming to us from Florida. This night, the uh, looks like the end of terrorist attack. They said 20 to the end of 50 people dead in America, in Florida. Let's keep them in our thoughts and prayers. It's not just that. It's people with other people in the, the lives. They found out, Britain, Victoria, France. Prince are a lot of people dying this year. Doesn't that? And I doubt it's any of us here tonight for whom the reality of death hasn't touched us, hasn't impacted us personally and deeply. But the question is, what can we say about it? And what difference does Christ make to this simple overarching reality that each and every one of us will know? Well, that's not what we need to do. So, in a hundred years' time, we yeah. out, a hundred years' time, will say, none of us will be here. It's quite simple, isn't it? Think a hundred years' time, and historical class. But none of us will be here. We are like the grassless fields, or the flowers, as the Bible says. If they, the wind comes over them, they and the ground doesn't remember. What can we as Christians say about that? Well we've been looking at that creed uh, the last few weeks in this series. Um, and we come tonight to the crucial but mysterious line that we've just uh, said together. The line that reads, He descended to the dead. Or in other of this creed, he descended to hell. Weird. Mysterious. Right? And somewhat mysterious is that there's not a whole lot of stuff in the Bible uh, that talks about it. There is a bit, you see, but there's, there's not a whole lot. And in fact, it's a sentence in the Greek, it's been pretty controversial, down the centuries, as you would have heard from we the school. Uh, the Apostles' Greek took shape over a number of centuries from the second century forward, and this line. He said it from the dead, only began to be introduced from about the 4th to 5th century there, and only commonly said from the 6th or 7th century forward, it's not been without controversy. And in fact, it's so controversial for some churches and some traditions, that they actually refuse uh, to say it. I heard one church uh, in the States um, where there's social the pastor, the senior pastor was away for the week so he was going to be in church by himself and I said that and uh, he got up to me and he said let's stand and recite the creed today we will not be to hell. so not the future <laughs> <laughs> not everyone chooses to say it not everyone agrees with the it there's some theological contention over it but that's not us, that's not our sphere You don't shy away from this tough stuff. why well, say that, but actually we came ourselves this last week, Tim and I in and, um, and we met this week and we talked about what's going on this week, about what we're looking at in Greece. And uh there are actually bearing number when it was me to preach on um on the third day, he rose again. So we thought he was resurrection, a bit of but then I'm just gonna go. And we check it, and we just realize we you know, we're missing the money. We descended into the very world. We're actually missing ourselves. And so we're like, I think this is not going to happen. And even as my guest says things like that, you're free to so listen what do you want. You can either take on, uh, on the third day of the year, or you can look back and be into the dead. And I think I've never heard a sermon on Jesus descending into the dead. I've been interested, has anyone ever heard a sermon? This isn't, it's there. The resurrection is going to be a good news. We'll look at that next week. And the ascension is there. But at the end of the day, isn't it all good news? Isn't everything that we say in that Greek, every sentence, don't we believe that it is all good news? Life-changing news. And so tough though to say is tough entry, to be honest. The only thing that that puts bad entry for our concern, is life. Pretty heavy stuff. Looking at that, Talk about the peace. is. We've got a lead fact that it's still yeah, good news. Amen. So that's what we're going to be looking at tonight. And I hope you found it really helpful every statement, you know, the last few weeks. And why we're going through this is because we want as a church to know how to think individually and corporately, how to think correctly and truthfully about God and about this world. And every statement, every line in the creed is there to shape our thinking and to inform us what we need to believe rightly, if we're to live true and Lives to do the will of God. So we've come to the mind to today that. Can we just get a quick note? That's not just a problem for me, but also just to bring this home. Like, we looked at our belief in God, the Father Almighty, to bring that question of identity that we have a Father in heaven who loves us. That is the fundamental issue to do with identity. Know where we come from. We are a father. we are a children of the living God. We look to him being the creator of heaven and earth, of heaven, there But how it is that there's anything at all. The why, the how, because God created it. We look to the uniqueness of Jesus Christ, the one we believe in, his only Son, our Lord, and why he is he, why we worship him, and only him. Yeah. And then Joe Glenn came in a brilliant talk. Now, he was conceived by the Holy Spirit born in the Virgin Mary. What does this teach us? This teaches us that we we have a supernatural world. We have a supernatural crazy faith where we believe in a God who's outside of our closed assisted to use brilliant images like a painting in a frame. And this world this reaching universe, us is within that frame. Within that frame is that that makes, makes sense. But if someone is outside of it God, He can do what he That's our faith. That's our thinking. We serve a supernatural God whose Lord is in control. And then last week we looked at He suffered and the unconscious was crucified, died, and was buried. Came bringing on the importance of the cross. Why? Well, it's all about what Jesus did for each one of us on the cross. Dying in our works, being our substitute, the deep theological concept of the atonement, taking your sin and mine, the sin of the whole world, by itself. This is mind-changing, thought-changing stuff, but crucial stuff that we need to get to grips with, if we're to live out and be gospel people, in the 21st century. And today, we come to this mysterious phrase, he descended to the dead. What's it all about? All I know is that it's going to be good needs to get to it. Because we live in a world that doesn't need hear this news, that doesn't actually know how to deal with death It was something about this time last year, I can't remember. I was outside of my rear, It's actually, I think, after the five o'clock service and there'd be yet another terrorist attack on the beaches in town. Wasn't it about there last time? And there'd be 37 people mowing down on the beach in the and maybe about 12 to 12, 15 bricks killed. And there's this moment where the path is path is what it is when everybody's doing good. And that's why I wanted to do a project by the way, just so you can see the church here, and come in here and hear the East. But the green was black. But then, as out of park, this strange sort of hush began to fall on the green. And these lights began to flash. And I looked on my road, right. I looked in my right back later, it down at last. And we saw this, this line of police uh, cars and motor cars, this successful beginning going down the green's road, followed by a number of first of these dead birds. And it was an extraordinary moment because just for a few seconds this stilled where now, we do, we do have answers, we do have something to say. The deepest needs of every human being. So before we go, uh, let's just pray today. Father, if you look at this topic, we really pray. For the help of your Holy Spirit to come and hear us understand, to come and hear us inside, come and strengthen our hearts as we live in this deep topic, this trouble in our lives. Come and strengthen us, come and, come and bring us hope. The help of the true God is you we are good news, even Church of early theologian, theologians that against, uh, was famous for saying this line "He said God became man so that man might become God that's how good to be God became man in the incarnation taking on flesh of Jesus Christ so that man might become God the incredible truth is that in Christ God himself created be anything us the eternal one who has always been and always will be took on flesh and became one of us. And the reason this is good news is because it means that he understands us. He can sympathize with us. He can empathize with us. Why? Because he was and is one of us. He knows what it's like to be human. He knows about the highs and the lows, the good times and the bad. But in a sense, that's fine. That speaks of human life. That like is engaging with us in the here and now, and what we're going through now. But what about what's next? What about the one thing that's on coming What about that? That one certain human experience. How does Christ impact that reality? That's what we have today. And that's why that line, equal awards and prophecy, is in the creed. Because Christ died, like every person who's ever lived. And then he experienced what happens next. He descended to the dead or some um, additional have descended to heaven, but we'll go to the net. He descended there and he went and transformed that place too. So let's get into this. You know, the one thing that, that you notice uh, immediately uh, about this mark in the Greek is that every other used about Jesus in the period of time, it up, you know, yes, thank you, uh, has spoken about stuff happening to Jesus. So it's spoken about being in a passive voice, if you like. So, we believe in Jesus Christ, the Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. He was born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate. He was crucified. He did die. He was there. You see what I mean? Then what's interesting is this sentence, here, which says He descended to the dead. I mean, the grammar is fascinating, isn't it? It's not often you say that sentence. So let's enjoy it we can. The grammar, how that sentence is put together, is fascinating. Because it communicates something to us. It communicates that Jesus chose this act. It communicates that this is something that Jesus did. Of his own volition, of his own free will. And he chose to do this. And he took it on. I mean, he yes. could have died, we could have just got rid of that button. Let's go to the let's play jokes. You know, he could have been crucified by the and on the third day he rose again. But no, that line is in there. Let's go back and He descended to the dead. He could have just gone to the Lord, but he didn't. He had something else he needed to do. Now, just to give some biblical context for this statement, I want to look at a little bit of Psalm 139. So, you've got a Bible. Just grab a green Bible to sign um, 139, it's going to come up on the screen as well, so you can just that. there. And for three, it's going to be a few verses of that page. 5 9, nine. <coughs> And it goes like this. You are sexually born in German. You know where I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar before my eyes. Before the words of my tongue, you know it's completely for me. You have been in behind the wall. You lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for to me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from the spirit? Where can I flee you from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. I'm in my bed, the deaths you are there. If I rise in the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there I will by you, your right hand holds fast. If I say surely the darkness will hide me, and the light will come night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine around the day, The darkness is its light to you. Just keep your eyes on what I say. If I go off the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. The message of Psalm 139 is that God is everywhere. That word translated to the depths there is a word that can also be used in the biblical sense, for the word for hell, we will speak about that more in a moment, it's not the sense of hell as you might be thinking. But it's the beginning, and there is no we can go where God is not the where God has not been. Second verse I want to look at Colossians 2 15. We got that? In. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he, Jesus, made a public spectacle of triumphing over them by the cross. Roman uh, legions were Romans to go out to battle, but they win battles. Uh, Conquests of foreign powers, they would come back to the city of Rome and they the the would be in kind of a whole city and town, in line of streets, it's as if they were one of the heroes, and uh, generals would come in in their chariots with all their folk, the dancers, the singers, dancers, festival feel, there'd be a real long line of them approaching uh, to present to the emperor their, their sports, their victory. And then right behind the back of this long line, behind the generals, behind the soldiers, would be this uh, long line tracing along of uh, bedraggled, exhausted, broken, defeated, captives. We've all seen that somebody was just in film about it, that sort of thing. When Colossians speaks about what Jesus done through the cross, and through that mysterious time, what happened between his death and his resurrection, this is one of the things it says is going on, that Jesus at the cross disarmed all the powers, all the authorities that stand against the plans of God and the children of God and his purposes in our lives. Jesus disarmed at the cross. And what Bible holds out is that when Jesus descended to the dead, he went to renounce that means he went to declare to all the inmates of hell that he had won. And he went there to leave his captives, his saints, who died before his time, to leave them home and into freedom. Isn't that a great picture? The third. 1820 which is up uh, on the screen here. And this is a weird story. And the Bible does some weird stuff, and uh, there are greater minds than life, considerably, wrestling with progressing not conclusion. So we won't be going into it in depth tonight, but we will touch on it. It says, For Christ died since sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit to whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison who disobeyed the long government, who are waiting patiently in the days of the night while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, 80 or more, were saved through water. Jesus, what was Jesus doing after dying and the ark was being buried before he rose again to go and look at that? What was going on? Well, one thing he was doing, and Peter says, is that he went. Down, descended to the dead, and he preached to the spirits who disobeyed long ago. Now, this doesn't carry the sense of going and preaching the gospel, as we can see. There's no second chance. Death is the end. That's it. This life is the only chance you have to respond to the claims of Christ. So, what the scholars think is that this is more Jesus going and preaching to the powers and authorities under Satan's control, preaching to those with spirits, those fallen angels, declaring to them who he is, what he's done, and what's about to take place. So this is a sort of biblical framework, some of the scriptures that play into this demon, and at the end of the day, we have this line in the creed. But I've mentioned hell. You'll probably be thinking like me of a different place because the term used use hell for hell here and many other places is not the place of a term that's part of a different use of that going on finally it's the place that the Hebrew word refers to the Hebrew word is Shev or the Greek word is Hades and this place is is the place of the dead it's the grave. It's the place that uh, people go when they die. And she- Hades and Shea, they're both the same thing. Now the word gehenna is uh, the a word that refers It's more, more about the Gone, which you might have hell, the fire of hell, the brimstone. because Gehenna was a trash dump in the Hidden Valley outside of Jerusalem, and they might you know, smoke from the trash because often source that would go So the fires are just burning continually. Gehenna is the word that the Bible, the Apostle, speaks of as being the place where Hades and Shem, the place of the dead, will be thrown into after the final judgment. Does that make sense? So the Shem Hades and then they're saying Gehenna is the final place, that is hell. that is fire, that is eternal, that's where Hades, and shame, get thrown in, that is what the Bible refers to, as the second death. I'm going to go up here Are you tracking with me? Does this make sense? And when the creed refers to the face of the dead, it's referring to shame or ages, the grave, not the final battle. And that place, the face of the dead, is where Jesus went when he died. He entered that realm. He descended to the dead. In other words, he experienced what every human being experienced when they die. He truly experienced death. It's not like the Princess. Has anyone seen Princess Viola? Classic movie. Also, <laughs> when heroes, and they don't know what to do, so they take it to this sort of wizard, magician called Mad Max. And the good news is that Mad Max says something. And he said that there's only mostly dead. (laughs) And so he said, bring back. Well, Jesus wasn't mostly dead. He was completely dead. And he sent it to hell. He sent it to the face of the dead. But the most important question is, what does that mean? What difference does that make to our lives? Well, I want to look at what it can't mean. I've always invited it. It cannot mean that there is salvation post-death. This isn't speaking of 1 Peter when it's saying he's going to It's not speaking of him going and preaching the gospel and giving people a second chance to respond. That's not what the Bible holds out. That. That's not what the church has ever had. Hebrews 9.27 says, Man is destined to die on us and then face judgment. Instead, of the word he used in 1 Peter for preached is more the word associated with that of a herald going and bringing news. To a city. That's what Herod's job is, is to proclaim what is being done, is to herald, to use, declare finish that's a finished act, perhaps announced use of a victory, like a military battle or something. That's the word that's being used, that Jesus went there announcing what had been achieved. It's not the word that's commonly associated with evangelism, you It's not that word. In other words, there's no mission in the place of death, So it's not that it's about salvation from death. Jesus going to the dead. It's also not that Jesus went and learned our experience of the fires of power was not broken. His work was finished on the cross. That's not going really to here either. Gehenna is still to come That's the second death. And finally, it's not that he's suffering further. When Jesus died on the cross and he said those words, spoke those words out, saying, It is finished. He reinvented. The work of redemption was finished on the cross. There was no suffering to experience. Jesus obeyed fully and finally for our sin on the cross. He went to send to the dead in victory, not in defeat. So it can't mean any of those things. But what some think it might be, and I like this one, is that uh, in the Middle Ages, they had this concept of the harrowing of hell, which is that Jesus went and claimed victory over the devil, over his demons, many of them were locked up, waiting for the final judgment. So Jesus basically going down and just opposite and saying, mercy and exercise, this is what I've got. Oh, that's good news, right? He was going to say, I'm a hero, I am not. You be decide. That's an idea that it could. Be. But what must it be? Well it has to be that Christ fully experienced death, that he entered the house of death and he came out holding the peace. Is't that news? Isn't that gospel? news, alien news, that a world, such as our own, desperately needs to live. Whether it is the court after report of death, of suffering, of chaos, of destruction. Isn't it the news that Jesus is standing the house of death and is taking back peace? He's the boss. He's the Lord. He really did die. He really did descend. It means that Christ has fully experienced death. It also means that Christ fully defeated death and the devil. The Bible speaks about Jesus' victory over Satan in five words. It says that he has crushed the head of the serpent. That's Genesis 3. It says he destroyed the works of the enemy. That's 1 John 3.8 It says He's broken the power that the enemy had. That's Hebrews 2.15. It says he's disarmed uh, the demons. Joshua 2.15, what we see. And it says that his doom. The devil's doom is guaranteed. John 16.11. Jesus has fully defeated death and the death. And God says to do these. Because it means you've got nothing to fear. Great preacher, Sturgeon, British preach, preacher. Um, there's obviously a thorn at the end of the side. There's one night he, he woke up with his bed. He thought it must be some sort of earth. And apparently he woke up, he looked again at him in his bed, and he saw sort of seeing himself in the flesh there. trying to it, you know he noticed what? Apparently he said, you. Yeah. He up, "I was only dreaming." And go, go where I must Don't. Know <laughs> You and I, forget yet people who so know our authority in Christ, our identity in Christ, who so understand the victory that Jesus won on the cross, and to descended from the dead and rising again, that that grasps us. Then are not What would we fear? Fear God, and let our fears fall to the ground. Find a to us straight to say, be descended to the dead. How does it impact our lives today? How does to it impact you at work tomorrow? Make a difference where you are. Reaching out to people you Well, firstly, it means we need not fear death. We don't need to fear that final frontier. Because Jesus has been there. And Jesus will lead us as am and bear it. you need not be alone because Jesus has been there he went to the abyss. he went to the lowest point of all creation the lowest point that is possible for a human being to experience he's been there he went there You see, he's the good brother in the story. You know the Colonel's son story? Two brothers? Jesus is the good brother. The third brother, who doesn't get spoken about then and there, who instead of remaining at home bitter, like the elder brother, leaves the comforts and security of his father's presence to go and look for Colonel's son, daughter, and bring him up. He descended to the dead. He went there to take back his own. This means we can trust even when things look us, even when things look dead and Because even in that place, we are not alone. Jesus Christ is with us and has gone us.